Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you guys doing today? It's so good to see you. So, so happy you're here. And uh, Sandy Campus, Vancouver Campus, and those of you watching online, welcome today. It's great that we can be together. How many of you have ever used the phrase, over my dead body? You ever use that phrase, over my dead body? Like maybe when you were a parent or if you're a parent now and you raise uh, teenagers and your teenage daughter comes to you and says uh, to, to, to you, uh, mom, would it be okay if I went to the dance with my new boyfriend? And uh, she, she's, she, you know, as a parent, you say, well, what's his name and how old is he? And she just nonchalantly says, well, his name is Sean and I think he's like 25 or something like that. As a parent, what do you say? Over my dead body, over my dead body. Or if you are a husband and uh, you say to your wife, to your, to your wife that, listen, honey, uh, the guys want to get together this Friday night. It's been a long time since we've gotten together to play poker. I know it's our anniversary, but could we celebrate Saturday night? As a wife, what do you say? Oh, come on, ladies, what do you say? What do you say over my dead body? Come on, do the guys have to tell you what to say? Or maybe I'm making an assumption here. Maybe you say, hey, go do whatever you want. I don't care. Over my dead body. How many of you would agree that some things are just worth fighting for? You agree with that? Yeah. How many of you noticed the set today? You walked in, you're thinking, I wonder what that is. How many of you figured it out? You know what it is. It's a, it's a boxing ring, yeah? Uh, some of you were talking to me and said, you know, what is that? What is that? And then you kind of looked at it and you realized, oh, yeah, it's a boxing ring. It's, it's like when you, when you look at this, and for those of you at the campus, it's not sure what you can see or exactly what your set looks like. But, but as you look at, at this, you see, it, yeah, it's a boxing ring. And once you see it, you can't miss it, Right? Once you see it, you can't miss it. Well, today we are beginning this new series called Worth Fighting For. And in this series, we're talking about things in life that are worth fighting for. Things like our marriage and our family, our friendships and, and our faith and these kinds of things. And so I'm glad you're here. I hope that you'll invite somebody to come and join you next week as we just continue on and look at these different areas. Today, we're talking specifically about our marriage and how our marriage is worth fighting for. Now, how many of you would agree that, that men and women are just so different from one another, right? You know that. We all know that. They're, they're so different. We're so different from one another. And, and I love the, the story of the two stores, the husband's store and the wife's store. And so a, a store that sells new husbands has just opened in New York City where a woman may go and choose a husband. And among the instructions at the entrance is a description of how the store operates. Now, you may visit the store only once, and there are six floors, and the attributes of the men increase as the shoppers go to the next floor. There is, however, a catch. You may choose any man from a particular floor or you may choose to go up a floor, but you cannot go back down except to exit the building. And so a woman goes to the husband's door to find a husband. And on the first floor, the sign on the door reads, floor one, these men have jobs. 
And so she thinks, well, that's good, but I think I'll go to the second floor. She goes to the second floor and the sign reads floor two. These men have jobs and they love kids. And so, well, that, that's even better yet. I, I think I'll go even higher. And so the third floor sign reads floor three. These men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. And she thinks, wow, uh, th- this is awesome. And she feels compelled to continue going to the next floor. And so she goes to the fourth floor and the sign reads floor four. These men have jobs, they love kids, are drop dead gorgeous and help with the housework. And she's going, oh mercy, she <laughs> exclaims. This is, this is amazing, I, I can hardly stand it. And so then she goes to the fifth floor and the sign reads, Floor five, these men have jobs, love kids, are drop-dead gorgeous, they help with the housework, and they have a strong romantic streak. And so she's tempted to stay, but she thinks, I'm going to go to the sixth floor. And so she goes to the sixth floor, and the sign reads, floor six, you are visitor number 31,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor solely exists to prove that women are impossible to please. <laughs> Thank you for shopping the, the husband's door. <laughs> so, so now across the street is the wife's store. You women are going, yeah, yes. So it operates exactly the same way as the husband's door. The first floor sign reads, floor one, these women love sex. And he thinks, well, that's good, that's good, but I'm going to go ahead and go to the second floor. And so he goes to the second floor, and it reads, floor two, these women love sex, and they have money. And he thinks, that's awesome, that's just fantastic. Now, no one knows what the third through the sixth floor say. (laughs) (laughs) Because no one has ever visited, no guy's ever visited them. <laughs> so today we're talking about uh, fighting for your marriage. And I'm glad you're here today because this is a really, really important topic. And whether you have never been married before, or whether you have been married and divorced or whether you are widowed, or maybe you're single, maybe you have no intention of ever getting married, whatever your case happens to be, this next verse that I'm going to read, in fact, I'm going to have you read it with me, is for all of us, okay? And so let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 together. Here we go. Marriage should be honored by everyone, okay? Circle everyone. Marriage should be honored by everyone. Now, sadly, we live in a culture today where that's not true anymore. We live in a culture today where marriage isn't honored by everyone. And in fact, I think I'm safe in saying that it's just the opposite. And that people, many people have the attitude that marriage is archaic. And why get married? I mean, really, that, that, that was great maybe for generations ago, but for today, I, I don't think that really applies now. And so in many cases, uh, marriage is demeaned, it's disrespected, it's denounced, it's discarded, 
And it's even ridiculed and even redefined today. And even people who follow Jesus fall into the same trap of thinking and believing these things. And part of the problem is people today don't have a good understanding of what marriage is all about and why marriage is so important. So again, marriage should be honored by everyone, whether you're single or, or, or divorced or whether you never intend to get married or if you are married or whatever, it should be honored by everyone. Now, 40 years ago, when I started into professional ministry, I was um, 19, so that's a long time ago. And so 40 years ago, 41 years to be exact, when I started into uh, ministry, if I were to ask the average person on the street, why do you think God created marriage? Then they probably could have given me three, maybe four good reasons for why God created marriage. But today, I dare say, if, if I were to go out onto the street and ask the average person, they probably couldn't give me more than maybe one or two answers to this question. And so today what I want to do as we start this series is to talk about why marriage is important. And I want to give you today six reasons for why marriage matters today. And if I don't get through it all today, I'll, I'll complete it next week. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about how to fight for your marriage. And my wife is going to join me next week. We're going to show you how to fight <laughs> for your marriage, okay? And so, so let's, <laughs> let's look at why God designed marriage and why it matters. This is kind of like marriage 101 today. Okay, here we go. Here's number one. God created marriage for the connection of men and women. God created marriage for the connection of men and women. Now, a lot of people don't believe that today. A lot of people would say, uh, women don't, don't need men today. Woman doesn't have to get married today. Woman doesn't need a man. And a lot of men would say, why would I need a woman? Well, you do. Okay, let, let me just say you do. Okay, and, and the God who designed you, the God who created you, whether you ever get married or not, if you're a woman, you need men in your life. And if you are a man, you need women in your life. That's the way God designed us. In fact, Paul, who, by the way, uh, uh, wrote 1 Corinthians, he, he made this statement. He says, in God's plan, men and women need each other. In this, in this grand design, in this overall plan that God put in place, he says men and women need each other. Now, that's a radical verse today. That's a radical statement to make today. I mean, why do we need each other? I mean, you ever, ever wonder why do we need each other? Well, obviously there's a number of reasons, but, but one that you probably haven't thought of is because nobody holds the full image of God. Nobody holds the full image of God. Women get part of it and men get part of, part of it. That's why we need each other. God wired us this way. God's the one who thought up gender. God is the one who thought up sex. God is the one who thought up marriage. It's his idea. He thought it all up. It was his idea. It wasn't some man-made construct. 
And so it's God's idea. This past week, my wife and I uh, just went and saw the movie, The Shack. Has anybody here seen the movie, The Shack? Yeah. And uh, I, I cried through the whole thing. I, I kind of went prepared to cry. And, and I did. And I'm so grateful that we sat on the back row in the theater because, because I'm constantly just, you know, Ann can hear me. And I'm over there, you know, blowing my nose. And, and, and she's looking over at me. And, I mean, she's not even crying. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? And, uh, and so I'm crying through this whole thing. And, but in the movie, and, and I don't know what you even think of the book. I, I, I don't care what your opinion is of the book. And people have different opinions of the book and stuff like that. But in the movie, uh, it was interesting. There was a scene because some people don't like the book because God is a woman. And in the scene, one of the scenes, there's a, a scene where uh, he, the main character looks at God and says, but I, I, thought, I thought you were a man. And, and the response was, I don't think you could stand a father God at this moment. You don't need a father God at this moment. And then later in the movie, there was another scene where now all of a sudden God is a, a male, a man. And, and he says, wait a minute, are you messing with me? I thought you were a woman. He says, you need a father God for this moment you're about to step into. And I thought that was very interesting. And, and I just, I just kind of, I, I love the movie. And, and I believe it captures a bit of what I'm talking about right here is that, that neither man nor woman hold the full image of God. We, we both need each other. And so the Bible at the very, very start about the first couple and the first marriage, he, he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion. Everybody say companion. I will make a companion who is right for him. Companions are important in life. And we have and we need all kinds of companions in different areas of our life. But there is nothing like the companionship that comes from a marriage. You talk to any couple who's been married for a long time, and they will tell you, yes, there are many different kinds of companions in life, and I've had many different kinds of companions, but none of them, none of them even come close to the companionship of a man and a woman who have made a commitment to be together for a lifetime. Talk to any couple who's ever been married for a long time, and, and they will tell you that. There's no other relationship on earth that could possibly compare. Marriage is in a class all by itself. Let me show you this scripture in Mark chapter 10. Jesus says, God's plan has been from the beginning of creation when he made us male and female. And so God made males and God made females, and God chose which one you were going to be. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And then the two are united as one body. Now, since they are no longer two but one, one should not separate them, for God has joined them together. Now, this passage of Scripture right here communicates three radical things. It says three radical things. And again, 41 years ago, this wasn't radical. Today, it is. The first thing that this passage says is that marriage is God's plan. It's not a human idea. It's not something that man thought of. It's, this is God's idea. And so it's, it's not something that we can just throw away. The second thing that we see from this passage is that marriage is between a man and a woman. 
Now, again, there are lots of other great relationships that we have in life today, but those aren't marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. And honestly, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that body parts just sort of fit together, okay? And, and, and they fit together for a purpose. And that, is, that purpose is the creation of you, all right? And so it, it doesn't take a rocket science. The third thing is that marriage is meant to be permanent. It's meant to be permanent. He says, what God joins together, no one should separate. And so that, that means it's meant to be permanent. It's, it's meant to be for life. Now, do you realize how radical those statements are today? I realize that the audiences I'm speaking today, uh, they're relatively safe audiences. There'll, there'll be people who will dis disagree with what I'm saying. But for the most part, uh, for many people today, these are radical statements. That is God's idea is for a man and a woman, and it's meant to be permanent. That's a radical idea today. Here's number two. So number one was for the connection of men and women. Here's the second reason God created marriage, for the multiplication of people for the multi multiplication of people. Now, I don't mean to shock you, but it's how we all got here, okay? It's how we got here. Um, you're sitting uh, where you're sitting today, and you're sitting next to the person you're sitting to today, and you're sitting here in this campus today, and those of you who are sitting in the Sandy campus, and those of you who are sitting in the Vancouver campus, and whoever it is you're sitting next to, and those of you watching online, you're sitting where you're sitting today, because, because somebody got together and they made you, okay? I know that's, don't, don't let me shock you with that. But again, that was God's idea. It was God's plan and it was his way to populate the earth, okay? To populate the planet. And so it was, it was through marriage. Now, let me give you just a little background on this. The Bible says that God is love. The Bible doesn't say that God has love. The Bible says God is love. And so what that means is God has to express that love, that, that he is love, and he has to express that love. That's, that's his nature. It's his character. He is love. And so the only reason there's love in the universe today is because God is love. The only reason you can love another person is because God is love. You were made in the image of God, a man and a woman, and you were created to love one another. Human beings, that's unique to us. I, I notice in my yard, I have squirrels that play in my backyard, but they don't love each other, okay? Um, I, 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 just, I, just, I happen to notice that. They, 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 don't, they don't love it. Cats don't love each other, okay? Have you ever noticed? Cats don't, don't love each other. Why? Because they're not made in God's image. Worms aren't made in God's image, okay? Um, there might be an exception for puppies, but, but, <laughs> but not cats and not squirrels and not worms. But men and women have the capacity to love. Why? Because we were created in the image of God. That's why we have the capacity. And so God says, I want to express my love. I want to express my love. And the Bible says that everything God made, God made it simply because he did it out of a heart of love. You were made in order for God to love you. And he knew that there would be people who would love him in return and that they would spend eternity with him 
in heaven. But you were made in order for God to love you. You see, not only were we made by God, we were made for God. God created the universe because he wanted a family to love. He wanted a family to love. And he did this knowing that some of us would choose to accept him and some would choose to reject him. Let me show you some verses here. In, in Genesis chapter 1. So God created people in his own image. I mean, just stop and think about that. In the Imago Dei, he, he created you and me in his image. You are created in the image of God. He patterned them after himself, creating both male and female with his image. And then God blessed them and he commanded them. Now, let me stop for just a second. Here is the very first commandment that God has given to the human race. And I want you to all read this with me with great gusto, okay? So here we go. Um, he, he says, God blessed them and commanded them, and here's the command. Let's all read this together. All of our campuses, let's read this together. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Okay, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so God's very first commandment to the human race was to have sex and make babies, <laughs> okay? And, and guess what? That's the only commandment that the whole world has managed to keep, okay, that, that God has given to us. We're able to do one of them. I guess that's better than none. I mean, there's, there's over 7 billion people on the face of this earth, on this planet, and the reason there are, and again, I don't want to shock you, but the reason there are is because your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents before them 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 and, before them and on and on and on got together. And guess what? Here we are. Here we are. Because God wanted to, to, to populate the, 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 the earth. In this way. And so the point being, God says that one of the purposes of marriage is for the multiplication of the human race. It's not the only one, but it's, it's, a, it's a big one. Here's a verse out of Malachi. Oftentimes when we go to the book of Malachi, it's only to talk about tithes and offerings. Okay, well, let's go back to Malachi and talk about something else. Ma Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. It says, God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. Isn't that interesting? His spirit inhabits even the smallest details. And what does he want from marriage? What does he want from marriage? He makes it really clear. Godly children from your union. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Isn't that powerful? What does he want from your marriage? You ever stop and think about what he wants from your marriage? Is, is godly children? To, to, again, populate the, the earth. Now, let me say, let me just stop for a moment and pause and say, this is not an indictment uh, for couples who don't have kids. There's lots of reasons why couples may not have kids. Some can have kids. Some choose not to have kids. God's not disappointed with you. That's not what this verse is talking about. And, and so, so, number one, for the connection between men and women, for the multiplication of the human race. And then here's number three, for the protection of children. One of the reasons for marriage is for the protection of children. We all know that kids grow better. They grow healthier. They grow stronger when they grow up in a family, a stable family, where they know dad's not going to walk out, mom's not going to walk out, and it's a stable family. You see, when you were born, you were absolutely, completely helpless. 
absolutely helpless. You could not do anything on your own. You, you couldn't do anything on your own. You couldn't feed yourself. You couldn't burp yourself. You couldn't clean up your diaper. You couldn't blow your nose. You couldn't even turn over. You couldn't do anything on your own. And God knew that, the, that, that human children needed a safe environment. They needed a safe environment. And, 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 and so he knew that, that, that babies would need somebody who would feed them, who would burp them, who would change their poopy dopper, who, would, who would, uh, uh, would discipline them, would care for them, would raise them, would, would uh, develop them, all these things. He knew that, that they would need that. Let me give you a, a summary of 150 studies on the impact of marriage on children. Studies have shown over and over and over again, that if children grow up with two parents, with, with, you know, without two parents or without a mom and a dad, there's an increased risk to their health. And, and this is what they have discovered. There's an increased risk that they're going to fail in school. They're more likely to not graduate from college. They're more likely to be involved in substance and alcohol abuse. They're more likely to experience distress, depression, and the risk of suicide. They're more likely to do jail time. They're more likely to live their entire lives in poverty. They're more likely to increase the risk that they themselves will divorce or bear children outside of marriage. Now, what is all of this saying? It's something really simple. When we do it God's way, then life works out better. Life just has a way of working out better when we do it God's way. God's plan is the best plan. Yeah, is, is this world broken and messed up and, and all of that? Sure, it is. But that doesn't mean that the ideal isn't real. It doesn't mean that God's plan isn't the best plan. And so children survive and they thrive best in families, not in institutions. In Proverbs, uh, the writer says, those who obey and respect the Lord, in other words, they, they do life the way God says to do it, they have a secure fortress. He says their children have a place of refuge and a place of security. And that's what every child needs growing up. They need a place of refuge and they need a place of security. I mean, in, in the past, and again, you go back to when I started in ministry and when I was being raised, my, my parents' generation, their perspective was, you, you know what? We may not like each other and we may not get along and I'd prefer to walk out, but we're going to stay together for the sake of the kids. That used to be the, uh, the general thinking back in the day. But to, again today, people say, well, you're stupid. <laughs> you're stupid to, to stay together just for the sake of the kids. And I'd say, no, that's not stupid. That's being unselfish. That, that's being unselfish. Because in today's society, the, it's switched to, to where now people say, well, I've got to do what's best for me. I've got to look out for number one. Well, could I maybe just suggest something? Maybe rather than look out for number one, maybe every so often look out for somebody else, especially the more vulnerable ones in our society today, okay? It's just a thought. It's just a thought. But maybe if we do it God's way, it works out better that way. And so God created marriage for the connection of men and women, for the multiplication of the human race, for the protection of children. And here's number four, and this is a big one. God created marriage for the perfection of our character. God created marriage for the perfection of our character. It's, it's in relationships 
that we learn to be unselfish and we learn to be loving and no relationship has greater impact on your life than a marriage relationship. Here's another one of the facts about when you were born. Not only were you helpless, but you were completely self-centered. Did you know that? When you were born, you were completely self-centered. Babies are the most self-centered human beings on the face of this earth, okay? A, a baby does not have the capacity to think about anyone else. I mean, all it thinks about is itself. I'm too hot, wah. You know, I'm too, I'm too cold, wah. I poop my diaper, wah. I need milk, wah. You know, over and over, wah, wah, wah. And, and all they do is, is cry because they're selfish and all they think about is themselves. Okay, that's just the way babies are. Okay, now, nobody's going to blame a baby for being selfish. Nobody says, you're the selfish, most selfish baby I've ever seen in my entire life. You, you don't do that. You don't say that to a baby because we know they're totally dependent on others. And so one of the challenges for your life as you grow up is to realize it's not all about you. Okay? There's a thought. Okay? It, it's not all about you. I, I love the statement. You know, somebody said that with age comes maturity. How many of you have discovered that sometimes age has a way of showing up by itself? <laughs> now, don't look at anybody, but how many of you know somebody, they've grown older, but they're just as selfish as anybody? Okay, don't, don't look. Don't, don't be looking around. Okay? And so life is a laboratory of love. Life is a laboratory of relationships, and, and marriage is one of those relationships that really helps us to learn to be unselfish. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, it's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. And so guess what? Marriage is a lifelong course in learning to be unselfish. No longer is it about me, it's about we. And we don't have the, the, the freedom to just think about ourselves anymore. I mean, how many of you learned pretty quickly on uh, when you got married that no longer was it just about you, that you couldn't just do whatever it is you wanted to do? Anybody here learn that? Okay, good. A few of you, I hear the grumbling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, God wants us to be like Jesus. And, and, and the number one goal of your life is for him to build your character. Okay, it's not your happiness, it's just your character. And marriage is one of the best places for God to, to help build your character. Write this in your outline. The number one purpose of marriage is to make me holy, not happy. A lot of times people go into marriage saying, I, I got to get married so I can be happy. <laughs> Could I just stop you for a second? <laughs> Anybody want to give a testimony? You know? And, and so the, the reason for marriage, I mean, are you happy in marriage? Sure. Especially if you're holy. <laughs> If, because the interesting thing is, if you focus on holiness, happiness will come. If you focus on happiness, you may never see holiness, <laughs> okay? And so I'm just saying, that, that's just the way it is. And so, so God wants us to learn how to love in marriage. In, in Romans chapter 12, uh, this, is what, this is what the Bible says. Love sincerely. Hold on to what is good. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. And I love this next phrase, excel. Everybody say excel. At all of our campuses, okay, again here at Happy Valley, excel. 
excel. Excel in showing respect for each other. Wow, circle that word excel. How different would our marriages be if every day we'd get up, we'd turn over and look at our spouse and say, I'm going to beat you today. I'm going, to, I'm going to be more respectful to you today than you are to me. You just watch. How different would that make marriage relationships? How different would that make any relationship? I'm going to beat you today. I'm going to be more respectful to you than you ever dreamed of being respectful to me. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing in all of the world? It, it really would be. You see, God created marriage for the connection of men and women. He created marriage for the multiplication of the human race. He created marriage for the protection of children. He created marriage for the perfection of my character. Now, it's, it's 9.05, and so I, I figured I'd, I'd probably end up getting wound up in a few places and wouldn't get through all of my notes. And so, good thing is, I can stop the message right here, and I'm going to pick it up here next week. Okay, so that means you got to come back, okay, if, if you want to get number five and number six, okay, and then I'm going to invite my wife to join me, and we're going to talk about how to fight for your marriage. We've been married 41 years, and we've learned how to fight for our marriage, and we've had to fight for our marriage, and so I hope you'll be here, and I hope you'll invite somebody to come back. I hope you'll invite somebody in, uh, to, to join you uh, as, as you come back next week, and so what we're going to do right now is to, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and just to close your eyes. And, and what I want you to know, I want you to go back to the point that I made, that God created you to love you. The reason God created you was to love you. And he loves you so much. God loves you. He loves you so much more than you could ever even dare to imagine. And he proved it by giving his son to die on the cross to pay for your sin to redeem you and to, to bring you to himself and so that you could spend the rest of eternity, all of eternity, with him. And so today, if you've not responded to the love of God for you that's expressed in Jesus Christ, and if his Holy Spirit is convicting you right now to say yes to Jesus, I just invite you to do that. Don't resist that. And for some of you who've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I invite you to, to pray this prayer in just a moment. For those of you who've made the decision, I would invite you to repeat this prayer after me aloud. And allow this to be an opportunity for you to recommit your life to following Jesus Christ. And so if that's your desire today, would you simply repeat this prayer after me? Father in heaven, today I accept your great gift to me, your son Jesus Christ. I humble myself before you. I acknowledge my need for Jesus. So Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and Lord and to forgive me of my sin. I pray this in your name. Amen.